To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Bored housewives, so they're generally hitting Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like yeah look at that dude he's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just you're ate. going to Thailand you're going to smash some dude going over there for guy time but it's not with his buddies what does it say on the bottle well if it says that on the bottle why did you put it on your head all these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f- D. Too much. That's who we're I going sound like Bill Mar. Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, Auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f- yourself. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, recording here from the Spare Parts Studio. Find me on the social medias. Just look up the part, word positive, then look up the word sarcasm. And that should that should aid you in the quest to find me on the social media. So you can also email me directly, PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com. Or just go through my website, PositiveSarcasm.com. Hit me up there. Just go to the contact page. Like, share, subscribe, support, donate. PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Hey, we free up in here, but it wouldn't help. It wouldn't hurt uh, if you guys, uh, you know, forked a, forked a little coin over. You know, little, little greeny. You know, you know, little bank account Tootsie Rootsky. You know, you know what I'm saying? Cause uh, my life's been expensive this year. <laughs> in the meantime, you can find me wherever you need to find me. Uh, yeah. Um. Whew, the summer's coming to an end. There's just, oh my God, there's so much news I don't want to talk about. I just, I'm so freaking exhausted. It's like, you know, the, the, I, it's stuff I don't want to talk about. I want to talk about other silly shit that's going on, but it's just so overwhelming. It just beats you over the fucking head. And it's unavoidable at this point. But it's like, oh my God, the, the Middle East is collapsing. Our president's a retard. The vaccines are not fucking working. People are freaking out. Lockdowns, canceled, con- canceled concerts, riots. I mean, crime is skyrocketing. The real estate market's out of control, but the market is on the verge of collapsing. Uh, it's, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much for the human brain to process. It's too much. It it really is. It, we were not designed to handle this amount of information untrained. The untrained brain is not capable of handling a stock ticker of info at a hundred miles an hour. It just it just can't do it. Your body, your brain just breaks. It snaps. It can't handle it. There's no amount of Adderall in the world to get you to focus on that much information with that much weight attached to it coming at you all at once. It's just not doable. It, and, and it's certainly nothing I want to portray on this podcast. I mean, I have a blog for that, and that uh, I've I've steered away from a lot of things in the past couple months just so I can get my, my feet settled under me so I can start doing some more fun stuff. But um, even when I go up and look up articles, there's a lot of weight behind all this stuff, a lot of social stuff, a lot of economic stuff. A lot of things that just, 
it all ties together. And when you start to realize that, it's like, oh, man, that cliff is coming faster than you realize. But, you know, we try. I, I try to keep it um, above that as much as I can. I try not to feed the beast as much as possible. I try to offer you solutions for how to be a better person. And, you know, if, if, you, did, if you wanted to actually help and, you know, be better the ways you can be a better uh, consumer be a better saver, be a better investor, be a better... I mean, if this was a sane world with sane people making sane decisions, yeah, I mean, maybe my stuff would pay off. But now it's like you almost have to be a thief in order to get ahead. And it's, it's a tough... It's, it's a tough thing to, uh, to swallow. It's like, you know, be fearful when others are... are well, are, I guess are not. I don't know. I'm not Warren Buffett. I didn't take my fucking pills this week. I ran out of, uh, on Sunday and I went, uh-oh, the stupid has arisen. Mm. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about my alpha brain. And then I was like, okay. First of all, I do love my on it alpha brain. It really does help uh, make me think a little harder, a little clearer, kind of pushes the clouds away so that the sun can shine on the crevices of my noggin. And then when I... And then when I run out, it's like, oh no! <laughs> it's like the end of, it's like the end of the Terminator movie. He says there's a storm coming, and then my brain's like, I know. And then I drive right into the storm. It's like, dun 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 dum dum, dum 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 dum. And then my brain's like, ah, you're a moron. And then like the next day, I'm just like, boo! I just power down. And it's just like, all right, let's just go through the motions of, of stupidity until I get my pills back. My pills! My pills! Eddie Vedder. Um, so that's kind of what I'm... Actually, I did. So I'm like, all right, well, let me refill, get a subscription, get a subscription to uh, my Onnit. And then all of a sudden, apparently I got an email. I got an email that Onnit is making a new type of alpha brain called Black Label. And I'm like, excuse me? What is this? Ooh. And I, I freaking, I go and check it out, and it's like, all right, this stuff is like, it's like crazy, you know. Got a little bit of this and a little extra of that, and I'm like, yes, I can be super smart. And then I looked at the price, and I was like, aw, soft dick. It's like a hundred fucking dollars for a two-week supply. And I'm like, oh my god, in ca- oh my god, in case of emergency, break forehead. It was, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I don't have to take, maybe I just have to take, like, one pill and this stuff does the trick. And I looked at the actual recommended supplementation of it daily, and like, an eight, for 80 capsules, it's four tablets. It's four capsules a day. I'm like, I can't do four capsules a day. That's two weeks, $100. I can't justify that. I'm not Joe Rogan. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go and get my usual alpha brain. My usual peasant peasant alpha brain. Um, <laughs> I'm so fucking tired. I'm packing boxes and shit. And then I was like, all right, well, at least if I do the subscription to the website, you know, it'll be it'll be cheaper. It'll it'll be cheaper if I get the, the 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 whole month supply, and then it's like oh yeah plus shipping, and I'm like oh oh you mean free shit? You don't get free shipping if you if you uh, if you subscribe? Nope, nope. And then it's like okay now it's not cheaper, but thankfully I'm moving to a spot where right down the street is a vitamin shop, and I'll go ahead and get it there, which I already have an account with them, and uh, you know save a little cash while I'm dancing around the ocean. I'm going to throw my dog right in the fucking ocean. He's here with me right now. First chance I get. We're going, I mean, it'll be off season. I'm going to take him right to the beach, pick him up, and we're running right into the ocean. I'm just going to toss him right in. He's going to love it. He's going to absolutely freak out. Absolutely freak out. I hope I get it on video, too. I hope I get it on, like, GoPro or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, there's a lot of chaos. Lots of chaos. And if it couldn't get any worse, oh, I got some super... Oh, no news. The Bumble app. Courtesy of top class action lawsuits. The Bumble app is getting sued. Bizarre. Bumble app messaging. $3 million class action settlement. Actually, they got sued, but they settled. $3 million? That's nothing. 
That's a walk in the park. So certain Bumble app users are eligible, the ugly ones, are eligible to benefit from a $3 million settlement resolving claims of discrimination. The class is made up of Bumble app users in California who used the app between May 29, 2016 and July 1, 2021 and identified as a man interested in a woman. Um, a class action lawsuit had accused Bumble of discriminating against male app users who identified as being interested in women because the Bumble app only allows women to send messages first. The dating app grew to 100 million users in 2020, according to Business of Apps. Bumble denies any allegations of wrongdoing, and the court has not ruled in favor of either party. Instead, the parties have agreed to a settlement resolving the issue in order to avoid the cost and burden of moving forward with litigation. In, if the court grants final approval in the settlement, each class member who had an active Bumble account app, Bumble app account on the notice date and does not ask to be excluded from the settlement will receive a one-time deposit of 20 free super swipes, a total benefit value of $31.98 in their Bubble App account. Class members who submit a valid claim will be eligible to receive a proportionate share of the settlement fund after attorney's fees and other expenses have been deducted. Class members without an active Bumble uh, App account who have, who, uh, or who have not... Wait. <sighs> Class members without an active Bumble app account or who elect not to receive the 20 free super swipes and who submit a valid claim will receive two portions of pro rata share from the settlement fund. Chase, what the hell are you doing? It is expected that the pro rata share will be about $30. However, that number could be adjusted up or down based on the number of claims submitted. The final share of the amount will not be determined until after the claim deadline. In addition to monetary relief, Bumble has agreed to revise its practices regarding male users who identify as, a, as being interested in women. A final hearing in the Bumble app messaging class action settlement is scheduled for October 7th, 2021. So, who's eligible? The class is made up of Bumble app users in California, hi, who used the app between two, uh, May 29th of 2016 and July 1st, 2021. Dudes looking for chicks. Potential reward, award, 30 bucks plus 20 free super swipes and no proof of purchase were required. So you're a dude in California, couldn't get laid. Well, just sue the app. Just sue the app. However, if you were a dude in Oklahoma who couldn't get laid, well, you're definitely shit out of luck then. You don't get your $30. So uh, yeah, there's that. So not good news for Bumble. Not good news for Bumble. I, uh, although then again, 3 million is probably a drop in the bucket for that too. But like I said, we couldn't just leave bad alone. Things have to get worse. We jump to the next article. You know what? Alex Jones, definitely an interesting character. But when he was talking about human-animal hybrids, he wasn't even close to the most terrifying prospect of all time. That daddy long legs would get shorter legs. What does this mean? I have no idea. But we're about to find out, according to TheBite.com, or excuse me, TheBite by Futurism.com. Scientists created horrifically mutated spider-like creatures. Scientists have genetically engineered the critters known as daddy long legs, which have apparently incredibly, well, rumored to have incredibly venomous, well, venom, but apparently their bites are not able to penetrate human skin, therefore making them just well, kind of annoying, but sometimes cute, especially when they're on trees. Look at the weasel guy. Uh, created a mutated version with the well short legs in an effort to study how arachnids' genomes evolve over time and why their creepy legs grow so lengthy in the first place, CNET reports. The media has largely represented the work as cute, and it may well bolster our understanding of genetics, but images of the gene-hacked monstrosities are downright, dis downright disturbing, not that the control group with no genetic modifications is exactly adorable. Gene interference. The team led by Guillermo, Guillermo Gannett of the University of Washington, Madis, Wisconsin, Madison, excuse me, first sequenced the genome of the bug, which was one of the more six and six thousand known species of daddy longlines called harvest men. Ooh, harvest persons, excuse me, which are technically close cousins of spiders. Then they used a technique called RNA interference to shut off a pair of genes associated with leg development and hundreds of embryos of the critter. The grisly result, six of the harvestmen's harvest persons, eight legs, were underdeveloped and much shorter. 
As detailed in their paper, published in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society B, the limbs also lost their tarsimers, tarsimers, which gives them the ability to grasp around sticks. Great, so now they can't walk. The genome of the daddy long legs hold great potential to clarify the complex history of arachnid genome evolution and body plan, as well as how to reveal how daddy long legs make their unique long legs. Looking forward, we are interested in understanding how genes give rise to novel features of arachnid, such as spider fangs and scorpion pinchers, and also leveraging the genome to develop the first transgenic harvestman, he added. For the arachnid among us, let's just hope the scientists don't end with daddy long legs the next time they decide to genetically engineer the creatures. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to genetically modify a daddy long leg so that we can get better study them for what purpose? You know what, you know, I mean, I yeah, I I don't know what the point of this is. Does this have any, we, okay, so we're gen genetically modifying a creature that's basically harmless to us to, for for what purpose? Why are we doing this? Why, what's the point of taking an animal that's completely harmless and genetically modifying it for with a short with with, with shorter legs? Is there anything that w that translates to human evolution? Is there anything that we may take as far as value? Are we gonna take? Are we gonna make guys who are only five foot six six foot now? Are we gonna be able to figure that part out? Are we gonna be able to do that? No. No. I mean, so what's the point in this animal research? In times where we could use a little more research on other things, maybe, 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 hint, 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 hint. You know what would be a great idea? If we took a bunch of animals that had, like, a certain illness, stuck them in a cage together, and then gave them all the virus, gave one of them the virus, and pushed them really close together so that they could all contract this virus, you know, we could call it, I don't know, let's call it gain of function, and then see if we can make them spread the virus faster. But as long as we did it in a facility, I don't know, somewhere not in the United States, then if there was something to go wrong with the facility, like, for example, if it maybe, I don't know, had, like, a safety violation, then we could properly deal with it over there before it found its way over here. You know, a place that has, that is known for uh, having the strictest of safety requirements that's not over here. Like, I don't know, maybe, uh, like China, maybe. Yeah, China's real. China would be perfect for doing research on, you know, you know, short-legged spiders and animals with certain viruses that, you know, are really, really close to each other um, to do this type of research. Um, I'm not sure uh, what city uh, they could possibly do this research in there, but I'm pretty sure they got some labs over there that would uh, serve this purpose. So I think uh, what we should do going forward with this uh, with this short spider stuff, short man syndrome, we should definitely send that over to, uh, I don't know, maybe like uh, Wuhan. I, yeah, Wuhan sounds like a cool name. We could call him the Wuhan spider. And uh, we can send them over there, and they can do the research, and then um, they can put them really close together to see how they interact and, uh, you know, Maybe something will come of it, and they can release the information to us, you know. And they're pretty honest about things, so I'm pretty sure that um, whatever information they get out of these short little spiders, you know, um, that may or may, you know, may or may not have uh, implications on human on mankind. Uh, I'm sure that they'll be able to handle it and report a, all honestly report all the information to us uh, going forward. So uh, that being said, uh, good luck with your tiny spiders and your. Uh, your gain-of-function research on that. Um, or maybe that's not what you call it. I'm not really sure. But uh, let me know how that works out for you. Okay. So we'll go ahead and we'll move on to the next uh, article. And then we'll go ahead and get to some Q&A. Because uh, I wanted to get to some nerd stuff. But um, I'm not sure why we're doing this. I'm not sure why we're doing this. But I thought this was kind of a big deal. When it came to research, I mean, well, apparently we're not going to do the research in the United States. Because that would make too much sense. But I guess apparently now it's not a good idea to do any type of, you know, research in uh, China because apparently, um, I don't know, they don't lock the doors at night. So what we're guess the next place to do like actual research was uh, out in space, you know, because uh, in case something bad happens, well, um, you know, there's no oxygen, so uh, you don't have to worry. 
you don't need vitamin D when you're in space because, uh, you know, you can't breathe. So, anyways, speaking of which, from futurism.com, uh, NASA is trying to figure out how to kill the International Space Station. Well, why are we trying to kill it? Um, you know, w w I mean, why are we trying? Don't we need a research facility out there in space? Uh, but how are we going to kill it? Because all we have so much, uh, 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 what do you call it? Space debris out there. I mean, any way we try to kill this thing, it's going to, um, you know, create more space debris. So why don't we just push, like, put a bunch of GoPros on it with solar panels and just, you know, push it out into space and let it get cool footage and let it transmit back to us. Wouldn't that be a cool idea? Maybe we could let it go into the moon's orbit or maybe we could send off to Jupiter so it can orbit Jupiter, you know, something cool like that. Some solar powered GoPros and they could stream. I don't know, something cool like that. I don't know. Let me read the fucking article, stupid. NASCAR, Na NASCAR, NASCAR. Is a fish is trying to figure out how to dispose of the International Space Station. In the eventual and fiery conclusion to decades of invaluable research and microgravity. Water. Nobody knows precisely when exactly the aging orbital outpost's end will come. NASA Safety Panel did approve a plan back in 2019 to have at least two Russian-made Progress aircraft, spacecraft, excuse me, drag the 450-ton structure into the Earth's atmosphere where it will turn into a giant flaming ball of molten metal and other materials. The only problem, Russia recently confirmed that it's planning to abandon the ISS by 2025. And despite the safety panel's approval, NASA and its international partners have yet to fully commit to a specific plan. Quote, NASA is continuing to work with its international partners to ensure a safe deorbit plan of the station and is considering a number of options. NASA spokeswoman Leah Shesher told UPI, noting that such a station's death is negotiation sensitive at this time. In other words, NASA hasn't made up its mind how to kill the International Space Station. A little history on it. Now, this isn't the first International Space Station that we've had. We've had the Russian Mir Space Station. The Americans also had a space station in the late 70s, which we allowed to burn up in Earth's orbit. And now we have the ISS. The station launched over a series of missions carried out by NASA and Russia beginning in 1988, joint effort uh, with multiple countries and getting involved, was supposed to have a lifespan of 30 years, meaning that its time will be up in about, si about seven years. The plan involving the Russian-made progress paragraph, blah, 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 was first suggested all the way back in 2010 during a safety board briefing with NASCA, 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 asking Russia's space program officials to assess how feasible it is to make modifications to the progress, to progress. Uh, according to the assessment, the re-entry would require about nine tons of propellant. NASA even included an early termination plan if, for instance, the station would have to be evacuated during a catastrophic event and the ISS was no longer able to maintain control. Speaking of catastrophic events, whether Russia will be able to pull off such a stunt is anything but certain. The agency's brand, brand new Nauka, Nuka, Naka? Module uncontrollably fired its thrusters during docking maneuvers earlier this month, causing the entire station to spin one and a half revolutions. Regardless, settling on a disposal plan for the aging station will likely take time. Quote, the Russians have agreed in principle to provide the progress capsule, but there is work that they would also have to do also. NASA's safety panel chairwoman Patricia Sanders told UPI, planning like this is never easy with the space station because we have an international community you can't unilaterally decide what to do there. And for the time being, ISS will stay in orbit. While ISS is currently approved to operate through at least December 2024, while the international partners governments, from a technical standpoint, we have cleared ISS to fly until the end of 2028. But the fact that NASA doesn't ex have plans set in stone as to how to dispose of the giant and eventually useless scrap of space junk in half a decade from now isn't exactly confident-inducing. Why are we getting rid of this? Why all of a sudden are we deciding this thing is no longer usable? I mean, this thing has multiple sections in the station. It has it has doors and docking and, and fuel and food and all kinds of spare parts. Why would we go ahead and just junk the thing and set it on fire? Why wouldn't we just send it into into orbit? Not in orbit in our in our area, but send it into orbit in Mars send it to orbit in Jupiter or one of Jupiter's moons like Titan, or we can have it orbit around Mars. 
Why can't we use this for uh, anything like recon purposes or something like that? Why can't we just fix it, you know, set it up with like a bunch of GoPros or a bunch of space calculators or some shit and just send it off and just have it report until the batteries die? Or what if all of a sudden this thing could still be used as like an emergency capsule just floating around a station when we try to go to Mars or something like that and then we need to dock with it for some reason? And for some reason, like, like, for example, what if this thing was just floating around Mars? And then, like, Elon Musk's team, all uh, during their adventures to Mars, had to, like, all of a sudden jettison or do something, and they needed something. And just so, so happens that the um, International Space Station was just floating out there, going around Mars' orbit, and we were able to maybe utilize some of it, maybe, like, a, a refuge for a while, or hook on to it. Or maybe turn it into like a little, I don't know, mobile home on Mars or some shit. We could use it. We could use it. Hell, we have cars that are 100 years old, 75 years old, 50 years old, that not only do are, are still in muse- museums, but we drive them. So why couldn't we take this multi-billion dollar piece of equipment and go set it up, you know, like a little theme park on Mars or the moon or some shit? And then, I mean, who's going to steal it? It's not easy to steal shit in space. I, I'm sure we'll eventually get the hang of it around the orbit of, the, of our own planet. But if it's in, like, if it's orbiting around, like, Mars or Titan or your, your I almost made a Uranus joke. Uh, well, I just did. Why couldn't we just put it over there? It wouldn't be, we couldn't finagle with it or whatever. It's just there. It could possibly come in useful. Or we can just attach a bunch of interesting stuff to it, GoPros and uh, data data mining and stuff, and it can go out into space, and we can actually make some use of it. Instead of just sending it into, the, into its own death, that's just completely pointless. All that can happen is that either A, best case scenario, it burns up in the atmosphere, and B, something goes wrong, and it turns into fucking space junk. And it's nothing more than a cheap uh, a cheap fireworks display for about 10 seconds. I don't know why we do this. This perfectly good uh, space station that still works and could be salvaged for something down the road if we just send it into orbit around uh, around another planet, or we have it land on a planet. I mean, it'll obviously crash land if it if it. I mean, if we attach some pe- some parachutes to it, which we could do, some automated parachutes. We could send it to Mars, and we could have it safely land with some parachutes on Mars. And then we'd have some Lego. We'd have a nice little Lego set that we could put together and quite possibly pump some oxygen to, into and create like a nice little International Space Station greenhouse. And we have all the parts there and all the stuff, and we could really... I mean, I just... I don't like... You know what I mean? I really... It hurts. Like, this week I had to throw some shit out, you know? It, it really hurts. There's nothing worse than telling a guy he needs to throw out a lot of his cables. Uh, it's just cable. It could be a regular coaxial cable, a power cable, whatever. And having to like throw that stuff out because you're trying to consolidate a little bit, a little bit, it's like, ugh. And then you're going to be like, oh, I had like a million of those cables. And I threw them out. God damn it. But that's the one thing. Why would we throw out this thing? It's millions and millions of dollars. Why would we just salvage it and make use of it? We could turn it into a floating camera, uh, or we can send it out into the cosmos, you know, relaying data like Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, or we could use it as a greenhouse on one of these other planets. There's so much we can do with it, or a safe haven in case something goes wrong with future space missions. So many options, and yet we're thinking about the dumbest one. Typical. Just typical. Anyways. We are at 26 minutes. Let's go ahead and prematurely get some Q&A, and we'll close up shop for this week's Positive Sarcasm podcast. Once again, supporting this podcast is easy. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. You can also hit up the Weeble app, open an account, deposit, and you'll get free stocks. Poof, just like that, and you haven't even traded yet. And then when you get your free stocks, I think it's up to four, I get free stocks as well. Boom, no money spent, and of course, you support the platform. Thank you. Anyways, here we go. Dig Q&A for this week. 
How can I get my fiancé to let me tell people about our baby? My fiancé, Nathan, and I met in college 12 years ago. At the time, he was helping to raise a child he thought was his. He was crazy about his son, Joey. <laughs> Everywhere we went, we would show him off, post pictures of them together on social media, and talk about Joey nonstop. When Joey turned nine, <laughs> Joey, Joey's mother finally told Nathan that Joey was not his son. When the DNA test proved it was true, the stuff hit the fan. Oh, boy. Not only had the mom known from the beginning that Joey wasn't Nathan's, it turned out so did his family and all of his friends. It took a while for Nathan to overcome the shock. Once he did, he decided he wanted to start a family. He proposed to me, and we welcomed our baby girl. I never cheated on him. But to avoid any doubts he might have, once she arrived, we did a DNA test. Nathan has her spoiled rotten. The problem is he acts very peculiar where she is concerned. Before she was born, he wanted a few people to know we were expecting. He said it was because we didn't want to get everybody's hopes up in case anything went wrong, which is understandable. Now our baby is three months old, and he's still keeping her a secret. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to take family pictures and doesn't want to post anything on social media like he did with Joey. He has asked his family and friends even to, and even me not to tell anyone about the baby. And he gets mad if we do. When I asked why he's acting this way, he said it's because our child is nobody's business. I love Nathan, and I understand that he was hurt once, but I'm starting to wonder, is my fiancé <clears throat> ashamed of our child? Well, it seems like your fiancé has gone through some trauma. Completely understandable. And look, I know that there's obviously some some emotional issues um, that he's probably dealing with concerning the former child and this child. Uh, also the possibility that... Um, there's a former child involved, and with the former child, there's obviously the former mother, and then I don't know the dynamic of how that's set up legally, so I get it, but that's a discussion you should have with your spouse. And let's take it to this step here. Let's focus on this step. It's true. If you have kids, it's nobody's business, okay? And you have kids, that's great. They don't need to be all over social media. They don't. It's your choice. But if somebody chooses not to put their kids on social media and post pictures everywhere and blah, 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 and stick their kids, look at my fucking kid. Well, that's actually, it's respectful, regardless of the ulterior motives. If you don't want to do it, it's perfectly fine. I have no issue with that. And, and it's your privacy. It's your family privacy. Um, and if there are legal matters that are that could come to the surface... Uh, as a result with you and your ex whatever then you and your spouse need to talk about it and just see what the legal ramifications are if any um, but if it's just strictly emotional issues then yeah feel free to address it but like i said this is a sensitive topic so please be sensitive about it or be respectful but i do understand even from just even if it's from a an agenda-based point of view they don't want to put their kid on facebook I don't blame them. Anyways, move on to the next one. Am I a jerk for putting a used pad in the trash at someone's house? I met a dude on Tinder a few weeks ago, and we really seemed to hit it off. We had a lot of the same hobbies, and I felt a spark between us that I'm sure he felt too. After we, pa after we got past the talking phase, we decided to meet at his house for coffee. It was great when I arrived. We talked loads and even held hands. However, it, it, uh, I was on the third day of my period, and after a couple hours, I needed to change my pad. I asked for the bathroom, and he directs me to it. After fin I finished changing, I noticed his trash can is pretty full. Not sure what to do. I wrap it in toilet paper and sort of smooth it into the trash so I can so it isn't in the sitting on the edge. Wait, what? Not sure what to do. I wrap it in toilet paper and sort of smooth it into the trash can so it isn't sitting on the edge. We hang out for about an hour more and he excuses himself to the bathroom a few minutes pass by and he comes out and he says we need to talk and says he needs to talk to me he says i shouldn't have thrown away my pad because he might touch it when taking out the trash and it was gross and unsanitary apparently he saw it on the trash look different and wrapped the toilet paper and saw my used pad i was mortified i apologized profusely and he seemed to take it well he just told me not to do it again and if i needed to just walk a few blocks to the nearby grocery store to change it i left after that not thinking too much of it however i recounted the events to a few friends, and they think he's a major asshole. I'm not entirely sure. He was really, he was really kind about it, and didn't seem to get angry. But I'm also starting to see their point too. 
it's normal body process for people to, with a uterus, and I agree, should be more normalized. I'm just not sure what to think, and any judgment would be greatly appreciated. Well, okay. Well, let's just look at it wholly. Number one is trash was full. If his trash wasn't full and your pad was in there, then this situation wouldn't have happened. His trash was full. He should have thrown out his trash. You took a sanitary napkin, and instead of throwing it in the tr throwing it down the toilet, because I don't think those things work like that, you instead put it in the trash. And not only just throw it in the trash like a savage, you wrapped it. Okay? You wrapped it. You were kind about it, um, which is high class of you, by the way. That's pinky out class. And there it is. He went through his trash, saw that. Well, first of all, it's not really a big it's it's not really a big deal. It's not. It's just one of those things that you guys do and we don't. So you have to deal with it, so you handle it. Um his job, it's his house, it's his job, take out the fucking trash. So as far as not to do it again, seems hmm seems a bit much. And to walk a few blocks to throw it out at the nearest grocery store, first of all, when you have to change that thing, uh, from what I understand, it's severely it's definitely hygienic. It's very it's a hygienically intelligent decision that if you need to get rid of it, you get rid of it as soon as possible. Otherwise, I think there's some other issues that could come down the pike from it. So you get this guy on Tinder for a reason. I think you should leave him on Tinder. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what you should think other than I think that, uh, maybe your friends, maybe your friends are onto something. And quite frankly, if I was in that position and you had to do that, I'd be like, eh, eh. it's no big, it, to me, it's, to me, it's not an issue. You wrapped it. I wouldn't wrap it and go from there, but I would completely be, I'd be fine with it. So I don't know what his thing is, and I think there's a stigma there that some guys still, I don't know, they still haven't really gotten, I don't know, it's still, it's just, it's not clear to them. But you did what you could have done. You did everything you could, you should have done. You did that, and then he could have taken out the trash, and then that would have been the end of it. Or he could have just left it alone and not said anything about it, and you guys could have continued on. But he pulled the power move. Uh, I'll be polite about it, kind of a douchey thing to do, therefore not making it polite, therefore making him uh, probably not a good... Uh, yeah, I would just kind of go ahead and just swipe left on this one, and, uh, pardon the pun, and call it a day, and, uh, you know, go look for guys the old-fashioned way. Drunk at a bar. Let's move on to the next one. Where are we at? Okay. How should I tell my neighbor I was really hurt by his online com comment about my yacht? Oh, Jesus Christ. First world problems. Here we go. My husband and I bought a house a year ago. We had at the time a 24-foot boat, which we kept in a gravel spot next to the driveway. The spot was designed for this kind of thing. Correct. By the way, if you don't know boats, this thing was... Oops. If you don't know boats, this thing was big and looked even bigger out of the water. Yeah, a 24-foot boat is pretty pretty decent size. We met most of our neighbors and all seemed kind, including John and Barbara. John posted on the popular social media app next door about our boat. His comment wasn't related to the actual thread, but the gist of his comment was, at least your neighbors don't park a huge yacht in the middle of their yard. Huh? I was shocked and now I'm hurt. Unrelated to this event, we sold the boat. We just bought a 20-foot camper to replace it. <laughs> there is no HOA. We are not violating any code. Many in our neighborhood have campers or boats. True, convenient, and fun. And if you can afford it, great and while most yards are very well tended there are a few standouts with tall weeds and unkempt trees ours is neatly kept we haven't interacted with john and barbara much and they keep their they winter in florida and we don't walk around the neighborhood at the same hours my husband and i make jokes about it but i'm very bothered i feel like we've been singled out and and because we're new to the neighborhood and care about the impression we make i'm hurt i'd like to address his crassness and mend the fence the fence he likely has no idea is damaged Despite his post on social media, I tend to be direct with people, and that's not always the most desirable trait when trying to mend fences. And then I think, why even bother? His post, sends a, his post says a lot more about him than it does us. What are your thoughts? Well, look, 
if your house is nice and you got a nice boat and it looks like you live in a, it looks like you are in a in an upper middle class neighborhood so if they got a problem with your yard well they can kick rocks i don't know what else to tell you you got a nice place you got a nice boat or you did now you got a nice camper and a lot of people put that stuff up front um so that when they attach a when they so that it's easier for them to kind of just back up attach to it and take off you're going to go stuff that camper out in your back you got to take the car out there attach to it and then and then drive over your lawn Nah, that's not you want to keep it in that spot out front where it's designed to be and then attach to it and take off you don't want to just drive over your lawn every single time because you're not just driving over, what if you have like a leach field or something like that and a septic and you drive over the septic and then you crack the septic great now what so, first of all, and if there is no HOA, there are no rules. You do what the hell you want. Let's move on to the next one. How can I get my colleagues to stop treating me as a representative for all gay people? Ooh, this one should be interesting. I'm gay. Really? No shit. And I have a well-meaning Christian coworker. Every conversation I have with her somehow leads to her saying thing, to things like, you know, the gays are all okay. Hey, yeah, they're not that bad. Or she'd start talking about Neil Patrick Harris. He's pretty cool. Um, and even though he's gay, one time she gave me a pretty gay lanyard, which I was rainbow striped. Back before COVID, we were still in the office. I was like, you know, you mean it looks pretty gay? And she was like, no, I meant it was pretty because of the rainbow. She even introduced me to another friend of hers in the department saying, he's gay too. I think you'll be good friends. Well, remote working has gotten me spoiled, and now I think we're finally going back to the office. I'm finding her, cre- her cheery love the sin or not the sin attitude to be grating. She doesn't mean anything by it. I'm generally happy she's trying for my sake. But last week she started asking me why a little nod has to be so flamboyant when I'm not flamboyant at all. And it took all of my patience to not snap at her. How do I find my zen, or alternatively, how do I just delicately tell her, I'm not her gay, go-to gay ambassador, and she can just treat me like a normal coworker. You know what? Quit. Just quit. Go find another job. You know what? I can easily side with you. I can easily side with her. I can easily tell you to go to human resources, but I got to tell you, this office shit is a waste of my fucking time. If you got a problem at your at your office environment, quit. Just quit. I don't have time for anything else when it comes to these conversations. Just quit. Offices are stupid. The conversations are dull. The job itself is 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 makes you want to blow your brains out. There's no point in dealing with this. If you don't like this or you're you're concerned that it's going to be ridiculous because of your you know your your square-minded coworker, then just quit. Don't even bring it up. Don't talk to your freaking coworkers if you're in an office environment. Just quit your job. Go find something else to do. Please, please do me that favor. Just fucking quit and go somewhere else. Moving on to the next one. Should I warn people that my girlfriend is lying when she says her dog is hypoallergenic? Huh? My girlfriend adopted a mutt from our local animal shelter. It's an adorable dog, but she tells friends who complain of having pet allergies, that her dog is hypoallergenic when, in fact, she has no idea if it is. What should I do when the situation arises? Would it be disloyal to speak up? Well, dog allergies, you know, dog allergies are serious. And then dogs who have allergies are also going to be serious. Um, let's see. What's, let's see. What hyper, hypoallergenic? Hypoallergenic. Let's look that up. Definition, having likelihood of causing allergic response, how to use hypergenic, designed to reduce or minimize the possibility of allergic response as containing relatively few or no potentially irritating substances. Okay, so basically her dog uh, doesn't cause um, allergic reactions. That's kind of what she's talking about, and she's lying about it. Um, I don't know. Well, first of all, if your dog's a hyper... If your friends are hyperallergenic, if your dogs are allergic, to, if your friends are allergic to dogs, you need to get rid of them. You can't have friends who are allergic to dogs. You just can't do it. They're not fun people. Simple as that. 
It's either you or the dog. It's either them or the dog. Answer is simple. The dog. Keep the dog. Fuck everybody else. On to the next one. Uh, on to the next one. On to the... Am I being dishonest when I tell people I read an audiobook? I'm a voracious reader, but for a long time now and for various reasons, almost all my book reading is done by listening to audiobooks. Those quotations mark marks introduce my quandary. Do I use the words read or listen to when discussing books? I might be recommending a book to my fellow re- to a fellow reader. I just read the latest Nancy Drew mystery and I think you'd love it. Or adding the contents of a book to a discussion. According to a book I read, the aardvark prefers prefers to consume daisies above all flowers. Or I might what the fuck is wrong with this person? Or I might introduce someone to a book series as part of a friendly conversation. I read the entire History of Flags series and it was stunning. In all these scenarios, I didn't point out the fact that I read anything. This means the communication was auditory. But I listened to a great book recently, or I heard a tongue. Is this misleading to state that I actually read something when that's not what actually happened? Motherfucker, you need a hobby, is what you need. Also, you could say that you. I don't. You know what? I don't give a shit what you do. You you read or listened to a book more than most Americans. So, first of all, good for you. It doesn't really matter. Just If you want to practice, if you want to be on 100% on point all the time, then yeah, be like, uh, this audiobook, I checked out an audiobook, I read this audiobook, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is tit-for-tat bullshit at this point. I mean, obviously, if they want more details, they can look into it themselves. If they're readers, they will choose to read. If they're auditory, they will choose to be, well, auditory. That's not for you to decide. I mean, sometimes audiobooks are better because they're narrated by the people who actually wrote it. And some people choose to read because that's how they immerse themselves into the book. That's up to them. But you figure it out. I mean, obviously, I think you need more challenges in your life because if this is your biggest conundrum, uh, you don't have a lot going on. So that is the end of this week's podcast. It's kind of a short one, but whatever. It's fine. I did drop... uh, some new um, music reactions over on my Positive Sarcasm reaction channel. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, uh, definitely appreciate it. If you're into that sort of thing, if you're into listening to metal music, uh, what did I just drop? I dropped one by Chimera, a band that no longer, that disbanded way about five, seven years ago. And what's the other one? In This Moment, a band I'm really found, uh, a band I'm rather fond of. Uh, Maria Brinks is an incredible singer, amazing uh, metal talent. So go ahead and check that out. Positive sarcasm reactions. But be sure to like and subscribe to this channel too if you're into boring podcasts. Uh, also check out my other channel, some of my oldies but goodies from the original Positive Sarcasm uh, on YouTube. Check out all my stuff. Posing uh, if you're if you're a bodybuilder and you need posing music for shows that'll probably get canceled due to some stupid ass fucking variant, you can go ahead and check out my posing music sec- section. And you can email me directly if you need any specific cuts for yourself. Hey, that'd be great. But remember, hit me up. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you can find it anywhere podcasts are available. That's Apple Podcasts. That's Stitcher. That's Spotify. iHeartRadio. TuneIn. Podcast Addict. Anywhere podcasts are available. I meant it. I worked very hard to make sure it got cleared by all those. So go ahead and check them out on there. PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Uh, clearing things up. Packing shit up getting ready to move in a few weeks and uh i may take like a week hiatus may we'll see how things pan out but in the meantime hit me up on social media hit me up through my website i'm always listening watching you guys thank you for listening watching subscribing sharing and donating and i'll talk to you all in the next episode recorded here from the spare parts studio this has been a positive sarcasm presentation 